Welcome to Safety Chats. Host Jason Stark, Director of Safety at Baldwin Safety and Compliance, shares decades of aviation experience and a passion for safety. Let's get started with this week's Safety Chat. But hey, welcome to the Baldwin Safety and Compliance Safety Chat Podcast. I would like to start with a quote. It's not most often, but it's a book that many of you may know. And once I read the quote, I think you'll get an idea of where we're going in this particular podcast. But the quote goes, and it ought to be remembered that there is nothing more difficult to take in hand, more perilous to conduct, or more uncertain in its success than to take the lead in the introduction of a new order of things. Because the innovator has for enemies all those that have done well under the old conditions, and lukewarm defenders and those who may do well under the new. That's a short quote. It's actually from a book called The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli. And it's taken out of a larger context, but I think it's a good quote to get us started talking about change. I mean, we are emerging from unprecedented times. Some might even call it Black Swan. This whole thing with COVID, everything else that uh, is sadly going on in the world. But when we emerge from this craziness going on now, there's going to be some changes. Not not necessarily all bad. Uh, probably some really good changes from everything that we've experienced. And I'm sorry, I kind of got to laugh because it's, it's, it's been a handful of stuff we've experienced over the last two to three years. During that time, we've had to change and we will have to continue to change. And change is not a bad thing. It really is not a bad thing. As we know as safety managers that it's important to manage that change, especially from the aspect of safety. And I know the last time we, we talked about that safety is not the absence of events, but the presence of defenses. And we can kind of apply that thought here in terms of change. But when we're changing, we need to ensure that we have the appropriate defenses that keep us from getting hurt or for the business being ruined, um, either side of that coin, we need to ensure that we have defenses present so that when we change, we're not missing out, that we don't expose ourselves. So when we when we deal with change, change management uh, or management of change, MOC as it's sometimes called, you know, it is a systematic approach to, to dealing with organizational change. And we really want to get technical about it. Uh, MOC is, is really a requirement, especially when you look at OSHA. Typically in industrial facilities and operations, specifically like chemical, petroleum, explosive production, they need a very robust management of change. And it's to address things like change in operating procedures, change in equipment or facilities, change in management, change in leadership, change in policies, change in structure, whatever it may be. We, we tend to be dealing with changes in the way we operate, the environment in which we operate, or with what we operate, right? And a lot of times we get excited about those changes. Imagine you're operating Kinger 300 and you're changing to a global 5000. You know, that's good change. And everybody's like, wow, yeah, that's going to bring in a lot of challenges. That expose us to new potentials for failure, but we're getting a really neat airplane. And then there's the other way around. I mean, I, you know, talked to an old Air Force colleague the other day. We were talking about some bases and they changed from F-16s to drones. Not saying that's a bad thing, but if you were a pilot flying an F-16 and told now that you had to fly a drone, it's a change. And it still has to be managed because the two operating, two different operating environments. You know, we, we talk about maybe changing our hangar, uh, line service, maybe we change the type of 
tug we're using. Maybe we go from a tow bar to a tow bar less. So we have to change to sometimes meet external challenges or internal challenges. There, there cannot be an organization in existence today for any amount of time that hasn't had to experience change. But when we look at change in safety manager, sometimes we're looking at a very small scale, or I shouldn't say small, but a very explicit focus scale, like a change in operating procedures, change in equipment. One thing as safety managers also that we have to help navigate are these more sweeping organizational changes. It's not on the scale of changing like a procedure, like the sequence in which we perform actions or whatever like that. But this is like a larger scale, like implementing a large scale program, something like safety management system or fatigue risk management or others that may be coming in the future. But it's this idea that we also have to be uh, adept at managing larger uh, sweeping organizational changes, or at least be part of it and help and help navigate that. Because uh, as I said, virtually every organization, I mean, every organization that's in existence today that has been in existence for a good amount of time, say at least a decade, I would say even at least five years. Well, actually considering the last two years, I would say at least two to three years, uh, they've had to change to meet the demands and to meet the environment, whether it be external or internal. So every organization will undergo transition or change uh, in order to remain viable and scale. And that was made clear in a um, Harvard Business Review article. But organizational change, which actually refers to actions in which a company or business, uh, they alter major components of the organization. So like programs, culture, underlying technology, infrastructure, or large, wide-sweeping internal processes, not just a process or a, a procedure. It's important to note that organizational change management it is the method of leverage change. Um, when, when we do, when we manage change, it is a method that we actually use the change to bring about a successful resolution. So I kind of, I kind of want to pause there and recast that because we think of change as like this external thing. But if it's managed, the the change itself, if managed properly, is a tool that can bring about a successful resolution. Think about that for a second. You know, we think change happens to us. But what if we flip the script on that and say, we make change happen in order to have a successful resolution to a challenge that your organization may be having? So just something to think about. But when we go back to the Harvard Business Review article, I thought it was kind of neat. They 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 kind of broke the changes, these organizational changes into kind of two groups. They have adaptive changes and, and just by the nature of the name, adaptive changes, they're they're so that you can adapt. They're they're a little bit they're a little bit smaller scale, a little bit quicker. Um, they're used, they're, they're like maybe incremental changes, you know, uh, maybe I'm trying to think of an example in, in our organizations, but it, it may be the implementation of, for example, fatigue risk management. You do these small incremental changes to address needs as they evolve over time. So maybe you start with establishing a more rigid set of rest time versus duty time. And then you adapt, you start bringing other tools and you start bringing in like fatigue training. Then you start bringing in software tools that monitor and predict fatigue. These are adaptive changes. But what, what I'm also really interested in is the next group, which is transformational changes. And these have a larger scale and scope than adaptive changes. These are these are big. And I think with what we've seen in the last two years, what we're seeing now in our organizations, we're going to have to probably undergo transformational changes. 
And I'm not trying to be a negative Nelly and saying that, you know, the world order is going to, you know, flip 180 degrees. I, I don't necessarily believe that, but but I think there's going to be some pretty significant environmental in terms of the operating environment and whatnot in corporate mentality. I think there's going to be some changes that are going to require us, even at our level in flight departments or even line service, where, wherever it may be in the FBOs, we're going to be seeing the opportunity for transformational changes. And th- that may be a good thing as a result, because remember, we can leverage this to bring about a successful res- resolution. So these these transformational changes are on a larger scale and scope adaptive changes, and they they often involve a shift in mission and strategy. So that that's kind of where I'm getting, considering how the the world is going and where we're going. I, I think there are we're going to see some shifts in uh, mission and strategy of organizations, even when we come back into more micro of the company, the team structure, the people, organizational performance, business processes. I, I think we're going to start seeing a shift in those. And and you know you might be sitting here scratching your head. Okay, Jason sounds really good, but what does it have to do with safety? Well. It does. We're going to have a podcast, um, and I'm really excited about it too. One of our team members, she is very well versed in sustainability. And this idea of, of the organization sustaining, having the resources lasting into the future, safety is a big part of that. So when we think of safety, we're not just hard hats, goggles, and, and safety management systems, but we also have to think too, organizational or enterprise-wide risk that um, we can help manage, especially in the, the process of change. So I think this is very applicable to us. But I think what goes without saying is that without effective organizational change management, these transitions, they will be extremely rocky and expensive in both time and resources. Because it's kind of like that that idea of throwing a noodle against the wall to see if it sticks. And we can't be doing that with change because there are usually a lot of resources that are going to be involved with the change. And we don't want to just waste them. So effective change management being very deliberate and very proactive is important. And then I think it goes without saying too, if we don't effectively manage change, if we just let it happen, and happen it will, (laughs) whether we want to or not, studies have shown that change that's not managed effectively or appropriately results in lower employee morale and uh, skill development. And ultimately, poor change, or lack of wanting to change or managing change, can lead to organizational failure. And we certainly don't want to be there. So I say we take a stand and we do our part for these large-scale changes. Because uh, a recent poll has showed that 70% of these organizational changes, they fail. So the odds are already stacked against us. Think about that for a second. That's not really a good statistic. And I I think we can help to make a difference. So I'm going to grab a cup of coffee and we'll be right back. With Baldwin Virtual Training, you can take a safety course on your schedule from anywhere in the world. From frontline training to advanced training for safety managers can help you succeed in your workplace. Visit baldwinvirtualtraining.com to learn more. Now, back to Safety Chats with Jason Stark. Okay, so we were talking about change management and what it is. We talked about, you know, in, in our normal environment, we see it like a change of tools, operating procedures, equipment, whatever it may be. I want to talk a little bit about these organizational changes. And we talked about adaptive changes that are small and incremental. And then we, we, we kind of got stuck. And I don't want to say stuck is a bad thing, but we kind of dwelled on this idea of transformational changes, which I think even in the safety realm, in, in some of the, the organizational initiatives that we can leverage to bring about positive outputs in the organization, I think we're going to be a part of, and we should be a part of. And even on a, on a larger scale, when we look at the business, like business processes and, and business culture, I think we also need to be a part of that. 
you know, I'm not saying we're sticking our, our noses in everybody else's business. I think we, we can be a very positive change agent and a, and a change champion. So how do, how do we do change management? Uh, and I know a lot of us, uh, we have wonderful little charts. We have software tools, whatever it takes uh, to do change management. Obviously, in our arena, and, and, I, and I would even argue on the organizational scale, it's important to identify those things that have the potential to cause us to fail. Hazards is a, is a normal name for them, but you know when we think of hazards, we normally think of hazards to uh, occupational safety and health, but hazards to, there's hazards to profit, hazards to company culture, hazards to marketing, whatever it may be. But that, that's a big part of change management, right? But let me, let me take a step back for a second. So in, in managing change, if we want to be change champions in our own changes. And when we talk about, you know, change in the context of safety or even wider, you know, these big transformational changes, which, which can involve safety, safety initiatives, it, it's incumbent upon us to have some certain skills in order to effectively manage change or to, to help lead this, this change effort. We need to be those safety leaders a lot of the times. So we need to have the ability to communicate clearly and effectively. That includes uh, actively listening to your team, to the people around you and their challenges. Here comes the E word, but we have to empathize. We have to put ourselves in their position because as I'm gonna talk about here in a second, some, some people don't like change. You know, they don't, they don't want this change. They like the way things are. So we have to communicate clearly and effectively. We have to develop a level of uh, emotional intelligence, which empathy is one of them. Uh, emotional intelligence, a lot of times known as EQ, there's a lot, of, a lot of good books on it. We have to be very emotionally intelligent in guiding change because we really have to have control over our emotions because there's going to be a lot of emotions usually surrounding change. So we have to be very intelligent about our own emotions and then intelligent about how managing the emotions of others. And we have to have also strong organizational skills, understanding how the organization operates. We have to have an eye for detail, which most of us really have that one nailed anyway. I mean, especially being uh, not only in the aviation field, but also being safety managers, I think we're, we're pretty good at picking out detail. Problem solving and decision making skills, also think we got that one nailed. And then delegating, uh, not always easy, uh, without, especially without micromanaging. But we have to know when, hey, we can give this to somebody and we can trust them. And so we can empower them. Delegation without empowerment is usually leads to micromanaging, at least in my experience, <laughs> kind of laying it out there. Yes, I, I have micromanaged in the past and probably still do. But delegating without empowerment, you really need to empower those people so that they have the tools and knowledge so that you can confidently give them the task and, and let them work it without putting your fingers in there all the time, so to speak. So I, we need to have these skills. And then when we get into the change, generally three phases of change. And there's one I'm going to dwell on. You probably guess which one it is. Uh, but there's preparation implementation and follow through. It is preparation that I like to talk about for a couple seconds. The implementation is, is as you know, putting in the in the change and then following through, we have to listen. So we, we've identified, you know, the change, we've implemented it. And so now we have to understand, okay, are all the, the controls that we put in place or all the, the processes we put in place, are they working as designed? Have we moved into this new this new environment that we've changed into? And have we done so without too much heartache and heartburn and whatnot. So, sometimes, you know, another model too is freeze, unfreeze, you kind of freeze the organization where it's at, you implement the change, and then you unfreeze and let it run. Kind of the same flavor there. But it's that preparation that's extremely important. It's, it's getting the field ready <laughs> to play the game of change. It's really going to come down to the people. We really have to understand <laughs> that we're dealing with people. Because 
We're not dealing with a mechanized system. When you change a tire or you change an oil filter in your car, it's not like the car is going to get all mad or the car is going to be emotional about it or the car is not going to understand. It's, it's a mechanized system. You know, you change a component. No big deal. Not really requiring change management there. But we're dealing with people. And in my own studies, when I see when changes fail, it's usually part of it is a lack of communication. So we have to communicate. We have to, as, as leaders, as safety leaders, especially in our context, and you know, if we want to step out into the wider context, we have to communicate, communicate, communicate. I cannot say that enough. We have to send the message. We have to cast the vision. We have to keep that communication open. It has to be rich communication. I would almost argue it has to be frequent. And in today's day and age, when we're still kind of remote, you know, we're not next to each other all the time. And that's something, you know, in our profession, especially in in flight operations, uh, we're not always sitting next to each other or in the same office. But today, even through what I like to call TMI or technology mediated interaction, whether it be Zoom, email, whatever, keep that communication going. Make sure it's rich, it's meaningful, it's frequent. And there are different there are different uh, styles of communication. A theory, if you will, called motivating language, which I may talk about, but maybe on a later podcast. But we need to keep that communication going. And part of that communication is keeping up to date, keeping people up to date. Where are we able to change? Uh, what, what what is happening? What what are, what are even the incremental changes that we're, that are what we're doing for the big change? So we need to talk about where we are and where we're going. And constantly cast, this is where we're going. And I would also argue, this is why we're going this way. We communicate that why. Simon Sinek said it best, people buy our why. Not our what or how, they buy our why. Why? Why are we implementing it? Why is this change? Why do we have this transformational change in our organization? Communicate that. And then uh, when when we are changing and when we are dealing with the people, I'm going to go back to that Machiavelli quote. We're going to deal with those people that have done well under the old system, as the quote as the quote goes. You know, those people that say, well, the old way worked. Why change something that's not broke? They're going to be very reticent to change. These, these are going to be challenging individuals because they're very comfortable in how things are and very concerned and anxious and, dare I even say, scared about where things are going to be. And this is even more pronounced in individuals that are currently benefiting under the old way and may no longer benefit in the new way, whether it be financially, whether it be status, position, whatever it may be. Um, If they're not going to be benefiting in the same way in the new way than they are in the old way, they're going to be highly resistant. And so it is these people that you're really going to have to focus on that you're going to have to cast that vision. You're going to have to try to assuage their fears. And I'm not saying lie. I'm not saying, you know, BS them. But practice empathy, understand where they're at, and try to communicate from that position and try to cast about the greater good. And the greater good not only being the people that are working around you, but also for the organization as a whole. So I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's important that we need to address those people. And then those are those that are lukewarm. Um, those that are lukewarm, you want to you want to make them hot, <laughs> so to speak. But you want to make them a part of your tribe, make them owners, give them parts of the change, uh, empower them to do parts of the change, and make them believers. Get them on board quickly. 
So, so these two, and I know, you know, it's a spectrum. It's not, it's not, you know, this, just these two categories. Um, but it, it's helpful in that preparation. We're going back to that preparation phase, and, and we're going to just stay there and end there. Uh, not really talk that much about implementation follow through, but it is that preparation phase that you want to identify these challenges. So even even in, in the classes we've been in, when we talk about change management, you want to identify threats, you want to identify barriers. People are a big part of that. So if you know the people that are going to be difficult, know that ahead of time. Understand that ahead of time. Understand their position ahead of time. Know that it's going to be a challenge and understand how you're going to mitigate that challenge prior to implementing the change. Because if you do, it'll really help that change go a lot more smoothly. It's part of winning that hearts and minds. So that preparation phase is important. As, as Machiavelli kind of painted the idea of introducing a new order of things, you have those that are going to be enemies because they have done well under the old conditions. And then you've got just lukewarm people who think they may do well. It's going to be kind of hard to find people that are right next to you saying, hey, I'm, I'm excited about this. Bring me along. And you may not even be excited about it. But it's our job as safety leaders. We need to embrace it and we need to lead and then we need to manage it, whether it be these adaptive changes, but more importantly, these transformational changes, because I think exciting times are coming and we need to be ready and we need to bring everybody along with us. I hope that was informative. If you have any questions or any thoughts, shoot me an email. Let me know. I uh, would love to discuss it. Uh, I think we got some good things coming up for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Stay safe out there. This podcast is brought to you by Baldwin Safety and Compliance, the leader in safety management for the transportation industry. Since 2004, Baldwin has been providing state-of-the-art solutions and 24-7 support to the aviation and transportation industries. Baldwin's clients include all sizes and types of transportation operators. Baldwin provides safety and related business services to commercial and non-commercial transportation operators, medical transporters, FBOs, MROs, airports, flight schools, UAS operators, firefighters, OEMs, ground transport operators, and others. Visit baldwinsms.com to discover how Baldwin can enhance your organization's safety program.